You are salt. You are light. You are an embodiment of the law of love. These sayings that we heard a moment ago from the lips of Jesus are not aspirational, and they're not inspirational. They are instructional. Jesus is not telling us, here's what you should be. Jesus is saying, this is who you are. This is what you are. Salt. Light. Law. Of course, Jesus gives us these instructions, these identifiers, these identities within this opening salvo of the Sermon on the Mount. So before we dig into these three things, salt and light and law, let's remind ourselves for a second about the Sermon on the Mount. The Sermon on the Mount. This is the longest collection of the words of Jesus in the Gospel according to Matthew. And it goes on and on and on without interruption for three chapters. And the Sermon on the Mount contains phrases that are part of our everyday parlance. We hear it quoted sometimes by people who may not even know what they're quoting from. Blessed are the peacemakers. We hear that. I can't help that. It always makes me feel, uh, remind me of that uh, great hymn, that great film, Life of Brian. You remember the scene where Brian and company are on the outskirts of the crowd. They're down at the bottom of the mount while Jesus is up there speaking and they can't quite make out what Jesus is saying. I think it was Blessed are the cheesemakers, somebody says. What's so special about cheesemakers, somebody asks. But fortunately, as you may remember, there's always somebody around to interpret. Well, obviously, it's not meant to be taken literally. It refers to any manufacturer of dairy products. Other phrases from Sermon on the Mount keep popping up, like a wolf in sheep's clothing. We've heard that. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you, if we only would. Or ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. Judge not, that you not be judged. There's one rule I bet you don't follow, not that I'm judging you. Do not worry. That's when Jesus has to repeat three times because he knows we're going to have a hard time following that one. And then there's this one, which might be familiar if you followed the news this week. Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. That was the theme of this year's National Prayer Breakfast. The annual bipartisan, I love saying that word, it sounds so quaint, the annual bipartisan coming together of government folks. Now, the National Prayer Breakfast, you may not know, was started back in 1953 by a Methodist pastor, the Reverend Abraham Veride. Now, you do know. Now, tempting as it is to say more about this year's prayer breakfast, I really want to leave it alone. If you haven't seen the clips, consider yourself blessed. I have mostly, when I stand up before you, I've mostly avoided the T word and partisan politics in our time together on Sunday mornings. Now, 
I want you to know that I have a degree in political science, but you don't come here to hear my political pontifications, do you? I have no more business making a political speech than our president has speaking at a prayer breakfast. But I'll say this, you cannot read the Sermon on the Mount without an increasing awareness that this amazing record of the words of Jesus is as profoundly political as it is deeply spiritual. That's just the way it is. So, what does Jesus have for us today? Salt, light, and law. I want to look at each of these things that Jesus says we are, that we already are. First, you are salt. You are everything salt is, everything salt is good for. So what's salt good for? Preserving things. Flavor, giving a little taste. Right, what else? Anybody been driving around lately? Of course, this is Manhattan, nobody drives. Yeah, safety, hmm? Melting things that need to be melted so we can get around without skidding into each other. Yeah, and preserving, yes. All right, so salt preserves. Salt brings out the flavor of things. Salt saves lives. Salt is not here for itself, though, is it? Salt is to give flavor to other food. So if you're here to bring some flavor to a sometimes tasteless world, then you're in the right place. If you're here to elicit goodness and spread it around, then you are following the wishes of Jesus for you. If you're here to serve and preserve what's important and who's important, and Jesus has just laid out in the Beatitudes who that is, then you're doing the right thing. We are here to value those who have been dispossessed, says Jesus. We are here to comfort those who have suffered loss, says Jesus. By calling us salt, Jesus is just doing this. He's reminding us that we're here to disorder the status quo by valuing the people Jesus values, people the world sometimes doesn't value. That's salt. Light is next. You are light. You are everything light is good for. So what's light good for? You guys are doing so well today. What's light good for? Seeing, reading, growing things. Yeah, light enables us to see. Light enables diversity by giving things their colors, making it possible to see the world in its full glorious spectrum. That's what light is good for. Light gives energy to the world. Light helps vegetation to grow, and when there's no light, there's no life. Well, finally, there's law. And I want to unpack that a little bit. But Jesus says we are to embody Torah. We are to embody the law. Last week in the Christian ethics class after church, we had a big discussion about law. When are we called to follow the rules? And when not? Are there laws we are ever called to break if we're following Jesus? So let's look at what Jesus says and why he says it. He says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish, 
but to fulfill. Not to abolish, but to fulfill. Not to destroy the law, but to fill in the law might be a good translation. A couple of things to think about with this. First, what are people always accusing Jesus of? Breaking the law. <laughs> Breaking the law, healing on the Sabbath, saying things that they think are incons inconsistent with Scripture. Jesus is always accused of breaking the law. And so maybe even his followers say to themselves or say out loud, look at Jesus, look at what he does. Now we can do whatever we want. But Jesus doesn't contradict the law. Like any good rabbi, he interprets that law so that it's useful and life-giving and understandable for us. And he does that by reinterpreting the law, reinterpreting Torah in light of the first commandment. Love God with everything you've got and love your neighbor as yourself. And just in case we are tempted to interpret that bit about loving our neighbor too narrowly, at the end of this chapter, he provides a little midrash, a little explanation of all that. He says then, you have heard it said you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. And in just that way, you will be God's children. For God sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. Now they're frequently quoted bit. He goes on though, for if you love those only who love you, what makes you different from anybody else? It's important to note that in this emphasis on mutuality, the law as a mutual covenant with each other as well as with God, Jesus is not departing from Jewish interpretation of the law. After all, that great Rabbi Hillel who lives around the same time as Jesus, when he's asked to give all the law and the prophets sum it all up by standing on one foot, Hillel says, what is hateful to you do not do to someone else. That is the whole of the law and the prophets. The rest is commentary. Now go and learn the commentary, he says. In the interpretation that Jesus brings to the law, there are commandments that must be broken in order to serve and obey the greater law of love. There are lesser commandments that have to be interpreted and reinterpreted in light of what Jesus calls the greatest commandment. We have ample witness, I think, to what happens when law is disregarded and flouted by those in charge of keeping it. There is a reason for law. We know that. There is a reason for law in our faith practice. There is a reason for law in our life together as we seek to live together. There's a reason we have laws and rules to live by. As Christians, though, we have one law above all others, the law of love. As St. Augustine interpreted Jesus, he said, love God and do whatever you want, not as a license for selfishness, but rather the opposite, because actively loving God will lead you to put that love into action on behalf of other people. And so at the close of this sermon, I am not charging you with anything because Jesus is not charging you with doing anything. I'm not telling you to do anything, but Jesus is telling each one of us, every one of us, not what to do, but who to be. Not what to do, but what to be.
You are light in a sometimes murky world. You are salt in a sometimes tasteless world. You are the embodiment of my law of love in a lawless and loveless world. So be it. So be it. All the rest is commentary. <laughs>